This is Shi'ar Jeshub, coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today we will be beginning a new sermon in Pastor Greg Scalzo's series on Heavenly Authority. Before we go into the Sunday service, I want to let you know that we have redesigned the church website at shiarjashub.org with new dynamic features, information, and a user-friendly format. Now, here is my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo. We left off last time, a couple weeks back, we left off in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 20. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. We left off with the undivided, holy Christian church, the body of Christ. And there are many members, but one body. Many members, each one unique. Each one an individual spirit made in the image of God with a special, unique nature and a special, unique character. And every person that God has created has a nature, has a character, has a personality that is meant to be wonderful, to be special in the Lord. But apart from the Lord, no matter what the person's personality, no matter how charming they may seem, no matter what it is, without the Lord, that personality is destined to be tragic. And many times we see people apart from Jesus Christ and we can't see what they'll be like in the Lord. We see the worst of their personalities because they're separated from God. There is Lagos. There is the Word of God. There is God's will, His judgments for all of us that we need to abide in, that we need to dwell in. But many times we forget the fact that God can use each unique personality, each member of the body, each cell in the body for the glory of His kingdom. And not everybody is alike. The hands are different than the feet. The eyes are different from the mouth. And that's Purposeful. Everyone has the same logos, the same rules, the same word to abide in, but God will use us all in different ways. And it's not just one body that's all the same. There are unique members in the body of Christ, unique personalities. Actually, that's one of the beautiful parts about Judeo-Christianity. So many of the Eastern religions, they have people just kind of blending into a nothingness, a lack of individuality, a lack of personality. We are unique individuals. We are unique. We are made special, even as God himself has a unique, special personality. He has made his children. He's created us to be special. And when he creates man, he says, it is good. It becomes tragic when we think we can be God when we're separated from God, and then whatever God has placed inside of us for good deteriorates and is on a rapid slide to become corrupted, and then we see the worst of our personalities. We see the horror of our nature, and what should be unique and wonderful in God's sight becomes a terrible affront 
to God. And we usually are very good at recognizing it in other people, but we forget sometimes how tragic we become, have become, apart from Jesus Christ. And when we get saved, it's not just a change in motivation, as some would say. Some people will say, well, you know, I'm this type of person, and I was this type of person before I got saved, and now I'm the same way, but I just do it for Jesus. Well, that can be true, but the human spirit, the human soul is a little more complicated than that. You know, sometimes we try to reduce things to equations and formulas, and really, if you wanted to make an equation or a formula for what we are, our existence, it would be so complicated, only the mind of God could understand it. You can't quantify some things. And we tend to get a little shallow by saying, well, I'm a bold person, or I'm a quiet person, or I'm a long-suffering person, or I'm a dynamic person. We label ourselves, and really our personalities are greater than that. And when we get saved... It's not enough to say, well, I'm just the same person, but I'm motivated for Jesus, because there's a lot of crust that comes around our personalities, things we associate with when we're young, we gravitate to one type of image of ourselves, things in our flesh and our genes, and just things we build up, our spirits build up themselves around ourselves, crust that has to be broken and changed and taken away. You know, a brazen person cannot always be brazen or bold. There's a time to be bold. There's a time to be quiet. A quiet person, it's not good in God's sight to always just pull back. There's a time to stay silent as Jesus stood silent at the trial. And then there's a time to speak out and say, woe to you, Pharisees and scribes. There's a time for everything. And when we get locked into an image of our personality... We forget the deeper things of God. God has to work on us. It's not just a matter of a change in motivation when we get saved. A lot of things has to be, have to be changed in us. Crust has to be broken away. And the new jewel, the special stone that we ought to be in the house of God needs to be revealed. If you think about John the Apostle, um, if you look in Mark chapter 3, and verse 17, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he, Jesus, gave the name Bahanerges, Bahanerges, which means sons of thunder. And why did he call them sons of thunder? Well, if you look in Luke chapter 9 and verse 51, they go into a Samaritan village to prepare for him, but the people in that village do not receive Jesus. And when his disciples, verse 54, James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? So they believe in the power now associated with Messiah. But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. You don't know the spirit you're of. You're sons of thunder. You're looking to bring down fire on those who have not received me. But I'm not here at this point in time to bring down fire upon the earth. There will be a time for that. The spirit, this is a time of grace. 
This is the time of salvation. And you see the nature of James and John, these sons of thunder, that they are so zealous. Now, someone could say they're zealous in the same way for the gospel after Jesus has died for them, after they accept the salvation that Jesus offers, after they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yes, they're zealous. But the thunder changes. It's not just motivation. The thunder changes. John becomes the apostle of love. Right? When you read the Gospel of John, when you read the letters of John, you start to see, you start to get a glimpse of the almighty love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. Now he would go into that Samaritan village and he would talk about God's love to those people, not looking that they should perish, but that they should come to eternal life. So he's still John. It's still the same person. It's still the unique individual. We know him from the scriptures. But not only has his motivation changed, but his personality has changed, right? He's being made into the image of God. So it's not enough to say, you know, just change the motivation. We have to change a lot of things that are wrong inside of us when we come to the Lord. And yet, we are each members of a body. We are each unique in God's sight. And what we have here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we have each a special member working together as they edify, as they come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, as the church comes to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of God. A wonderful, powerful church walking in the anointing of the kingdom of God. And the Spirit knows. The Holy Spirit foreknows. He knows each member. He knows each unique personality. And he gives gifts, as we studied, accordingly. He distributes to each individually, individually, as he determined. You have the individual and you have the corporate. And the body works best when each individual does exactly what they should do in God's sight. And he wills and he gives these gifts for service, for the different services to Jesus, according to the plan that God the Father has for each one of his children and for his church as a whole. Your will be done, Father, on earth as it is in heaven. So let's go back and read verse 18. But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? The variety of our personalities is wonderful in God's sight. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. He goes on to give an example here of the necessity of each part of the body, that in the Father's plan, he has a desire to let his power flow to do his work through the church, and he needs, he desires to have every part working. And Paul goes on to say in verse 22, no, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Every part of the body needs the other. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, 
If you see something, you can't do anything about it unless you have a hand, right? You might have tremendous vision. You might be able to see things so clearly that others can't see, but you may not have the ability to do anything about it to solve it. And the eye needs the hand to do the activity. Nor again the head to the feet. You may have tremendous ideas. The Lord can give you tremendous revelation, but somebody's got to walk. There needs to be the mobility. I have no need of you. And he says, no, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. The weaker something the body is, the more critical it is to life. And you, you think about the delicate parts, the delicate organs. You think of the heart, the lungs, the liver, the kidneys, things that if they're destroyed, if they're shot, if, they're, if you get a bullet in them, you're in a lot of trouble. And how weak they are, the more vital they are, the weaker they are, and how they need to be surrounded by bone and ribs and muscles to protect them. Everything working together. He says in verse um, 23, And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty but our presentable parts have no need. Robinson gives an example in his uh, Greek study of the mother's womb, the mother's breast, so necessary to give life, so necessary to feed the child, and they're covered, the unpresentable parts being covered, yet being so vital to human life. We'll continue the sermon in our next program. On our redesigned shiarjashub.org website, you will find a new blog feature where Pastor Greg comments on current events. Please join us next time for Shiar Jashub.